0: This is season number 19 of Bass Talk Live with Matt Pangrak. BTL is presented by Bass Cat Boats, Aftco, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, Pro Guide Batteries, Beatdown Outdoors, shoreline boat and rv repair and omnia fishing hit him with the hook jeffries
1: btl coming
0: at ya good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of btl bass talk live where we are going to talk about bass fishing we got a good one today uh i think i mentioned it like six or seven months ago that i wanted to get this guy on the show uh We're talking about Todd Klein from San Clemente, California, just to talk about kind of his former life. And he's talked a little bit about, well, in the meantime, before I got him on the show, he went out and he won a Toyota series. And then he did it making an adjustment that was near and dear to my heart. He put up the power fishing stuff and he picked up the egg beater, seven foot, six inch rod, five pound test and a little bitty bait. And he whooped everybody in the Toyota series on Lake Havasu with A stacked field, like 85 boats in that thing. But then you start going down the list and seeing the names, you know, Dean Rojas's and Nick Salvucci's and things like that. And you're like, okay, guy knows what he's doing. So we're going to get Todd Klein on. And uh, I I was afraid this was going to happen uh, since we've been doing the show. Like, obviously, we're in central time here in Shawnee, Oklahoma. East Coast is easy because it's an hour later, like, you know, and you get Ken Duke and stuff on and have a leisurely. breakfast bowl and hop on the show but then you get into like a mountain and and west coast time and there's like a two-hour difference so it is 6 30 in the morning where mr todd klein is and when i sent him the message to jump on it said todd's notifications are silenced and i was like uh-oh we have a time differential here so i was unaware but there's like a little thing when it when the notifications are silenced it can say like notify anyway so i like hit it and then my text jumped and then all of a sudden his notifications went off And then a groggy Todd Clyde jumped on behind stage. So we'll give him a second to to settle down, but he's here. We're going to talk about that before we get into it. I do want to mention BPT going on the five fish limit. I think it's a lot more relatable as far as you know, how the guys did, what kind of days they had as far as fishing for the five biggest, uh, today is the second day of qualifying for group a. So we will talk about more as the week goes on. Also off day for the Bassmaster elite series before the 2023 season kicks off on Lake Okeechobee. And, uh, You know, if you've listened to the show for any time, you know there's two big parts of of BTL that are competing. My roommates for the Opens for the last couple years and John Sokip and Brad Hallman both made the Elite Series. Brad returning to the Elite Series for the first time in like a decade. John made it, uh, not surprisingly, in his first year of really trying. But here's what I want to do. I know in the Opens, when I have a good day or a tough day, I love the comments uh, and the DMs from the listeners and the viewers. like I may not respond to all of them, but I read them. It warms my heart. I greatly appreciate the support and the feedback. So if you're listening to this and it's Wednesday, it's their off day, and you're a BTL listener, and you've listened to John come on the show and Brad come in and and do all the stuff that he has, I want to flood their DMs with good luck. Go get them. Atta boys. Positive comments on the day off. Facebook, Instagram, Bradley Hallman, John Sokup Fishing. Get in there. Let them know that the BTL Nation is rooting for them as they kick off their Elite Series uh, season tomorrow. Also, (laughs) kind of along the lines of the Elite Series, uh, if you haven't had a chance yet, it kind of blew up last night. Head over to Andrew Upshaw's YouTube channel. The Open Pros Pick'em Show is up with uh, myself, uh, Todd Castledine. I I feel like he's a little arrogant after two years of winning the league. I feel like it's straight luck. Anyway, you'd kind of have to watch that show. And then a new addition to it, which I thought is awesome, is a guy who's won over $2 million in this game. I think mean, over $2.5 when you can buy and everything. And that's Ish Monroe. Ish Monroe jumped on to provide some insights. So us four, go check that out. Andrews does a, a great job. Uh, a great job with that. All right, let's get to today's guest from California. And uh, Toyota Series champion now you've been called that a lot on the co-angler side but this is the first time you can be called a toyota series champion from the front of the boat todd klein thanks for jumping on btl super pumped for this show
2: yeah thank you matt thanks for having me on and uh slowly but surely i'll wake up here
0: yeah now do you do fantasy fishing
2: no i don't i've done fantasy football for years
0: See, I've never done fantasy football, but I do the fantasy fishing. I think you have to be, to really get into the fantasy fishing, I think you have to be a true nerd, a true bass fishing dork to really get into it.
2: You know, I take that back. Actually, right when it came out with FLW back in the day, I did it a little bit. Um, I think I might have done like two or three different events. But yeah, my dad my dad actually, uh, back in the day, he... I know he won like a $500 gift card to Walmart and something else, but yeah, he was into it big time.
0: Really? I see. Uh, I've won won a little bit over the years, but I've got like, you know, a kind of secret high money leagues. And then one year, one year, I can't believe I'm admitting this live. So like five or six years ago, I created a secret league with like three other people and we tried to guess the five lowest. So if you had a guy who hit, that was bad. So you wanted everybody to just take.
2: Yeah. 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 That's so it was
0: reverse. So like the E group was, you know, like the A group and the A group was the E group Then we only did that one year and then it didn't really take off that big. So, but anyway, thanks for jumping on. Like I said, I told that little story beforehand, but, uh, I think, are we doing away with daylight savings time next year? Do I remember that correctly?
2: Uh, I don't know. They keep talking about it. I wish they would, you know,
0: all right but we still have the time zones so we're all good yeah all right little background i think uh i think there are certain tournaments that are just intriguing like i think you can have uh you can have toyota series or opens or something that go down and it's kind of as expected and the guys you expect and there's nothing that really sticks out great quality wins still very viable but every once in a while one of these kind of Peaks my interest. And your Toyota Series win uh, on Havasu, was it at the beginning of the month here? A couple weeks ago now?
2: Yeah, it was just a couple weeks ago.
0: Peaked my interest. Uh, talk a little bit, just right off the hopper, about what it was your your first win uh, against that field and to kick the year off on Lake Havasu. Uh,
2: so I, I love Lake Havasu, Matt. It's, it's one of my favorite fisheries. Uh, I, I love the fact, you know, just... That desert is is gorgeous, right? So I, I enjoy just soaking that up while I'm out there. Uh, I don't get to catch smallmouth a lot where where I live. Um, we've got one lake, and you literally can go a couple of years without catching one. There's just not many in there. So I I, I like the diversity of that lake. I like I like the uh, the whole landscape out there. Um, but more importantly, I put a lot of time in over the last handful of years, and and you know really trying to to learn and understand that lake. The the lake out there has a ton of man-made structure in it. Um, and the locals know that place like the back of their hand, even though there's yeah. tons, you know, it's just like, it's just like your, your legs, you know, there's one tree, there's one dock dock pylon or whatever it is that always holds big ones. And it's the same thing out there. And, and so you try and, you know, dial into the intricacies out there. And so. Slowly but surely, you know, I've been able to uh, kind of, I think, you know, I've got a, a pretty good understanding of the smallmouth, but this time of year when we were out there, it's early, you know, and the water's cold, it's like 52, and it might not sound cold for the guys back east, but for us, that's cold, and, you know, so I was, I was trying to dial in on the brown ones, and, you know, felt pretty good, you know, it's kind of the same thing every, every year about that time of year, you're going to get five or six bites, um, five, five pound test, your odds are not good to land all of them um but if you get them in you know you're gonna you're gonna be in that top 10 conversation and if you crack them good you know you could be leading well we had a windy day and uh i told myself you know what you know 95 percent of the guys aren't going uh i don't want to go either but i need to it, you know keep the spinning rod in the box um if you can find one spot one bait then you're you're better off than where you are right now so i did that that day and actually you know, found my my primary bite and was, you know, super excited. Um, ended up just going around, no, not sticking fish and going around and making waypoints. And then we had one more day of of practice and I, I just continued to make waypoints and it it paid off.
0: So you found what you would consider the winning fish on a day that was very tempting to say, screw this, I'm staying in, there's no boats in the parking lot, this isn't worth it.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And and the interesting thing is, you know, I'm not gonna say the dude's name, but um, you know, the the consensus from a lot of people on a day like that is it's worthless, right? It's yeah. a completely worthless day. So I'm coming back and you know, I'm not talking about anything that I that I did out there. I just said, Man, thank God to be off the water, man. What a what a nightmare yeah. out there, right? And uh, the individual tells me, dude, what were you doing out there? That is an absolute waste of time. Even if you found something today, it's not gonna it's not gonna, you know, carry over it was, you know, that's a waste. Why would you go out there? And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You know, and I'm thinking to myself, no, you're not.
0: <laughs> oh, dude, that's such a good lesson. Cause you know, fishing yeah. the opens and doing that, you always have that day, especially if you've got three or four practice days and you can, you can really convince yourself that it's not worth it. I, I I've done it, dude. I've done it, Todd. I've convinced yeah. myself that it's not worth it or I'll just stay in the Marina area or do something dumb. But that's, that's a good lesson there.
2: I've had multiple, multiple times, Matt. That that's on those days. I've I have found something because what it'll do also is it's going to put us in spots where we normally would not go that's to avoid point. the wind. To avoid the wind, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one time at Mead. Not to get sidetracked, but there was one time at Mead we were practicing for uh, the U.S. Open, and it put me into this spot behind this giant bluff. And as I shut the motor down and I'm idling up to kind of get out of the elements. All of a sudden, I hear, you know, a blow up and I look over and here's a shad out in 55 foot of water and oh. big smallmouth trying to crush oh, it. Oh, no like, way. Holy smokes. So I pick up my topwater that had no hooks on it. Sure enough, just crushes it. Long story short, that area, after I've gone back and kind of, you know, done a little research on it, has boulders that are in like 35 foot of water. But the water so clear, those smallmouth will come up off of it. I would have never found that spot if I wasn't out there on that windy day trying to avoid those elements.
0: That's good stuff. Uh yeah. another interesting element about this event that you won is you had a gargantuan lead going into the final day. Now, this it, obviously you can do mid-20s bags at Havasu, but the way the tournament was going, a seven-pound lead, like I don't know how else to say it, but you would have had to have choked not to win.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And you had to make some decisions on the final day because it was not all sunshine and unicorns on the final yeah. day of that event.
2: Yeah. So first thing, first thing in the morning on that day, and for me, you know that I've been in that same exact position out there, leading going into the final day. Um, Mike Williams, who's like the local stick, right behind me. Uh, it was much closer than this one and on that third day it was overcast at that particular event same time of year i was chasing the the smallmouth uh you know out here smallmouth do not like the overcast uh i got a couple of them but then i had to literally salvage where i knew i could go get some some small largemouth on a square bill that were like pound and a quarters you know um just just to make sure i got a five fish limit and he ended up beating me right so you know uh here i am you know you're laying in bed the night before day two you got a seven pound lead but you know that that gorilla is behind you yeah. You're like oh dude don't do it again you know and so we we launch on that third day everything feels good you know you know you know as a tournament angler you just you know certain songs feel good you know sunrise you know the the national anthem just everything feels so much better and uh run to my first spot, got a couple of, of boats following me, got the uh, MLF camera boat following me, um, which was a first for me, which, you know, a little bit nervous, but super, super cool as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, first spot, first cast, you know, Doop! and set the hook, miss them. And I'm like, that's that's it, no no worries, they're, they're eating, you know? And uh, so I was pretty excited about that. Two hours later, hadn't had a sniff. And so at this point, I'm like, okay, you know, you need to figure something out real quick. And and the good thing was before that windy day, Matt, like like I said, you know, I had a pretty good, at the time it was plan A, well now it was plan B to go chase the smallmouth. And um, so I run to, you know, one of my spots for smallmouth and probably second or third cast, catch about a three and a half. And, uh, you know, super excited. Two seconds later, my co-angler who uh, ended up winning the co-angler side, Todd Woods goes, net. And I look back, and he's got like a four and a half, and I'm like, "Oh gosh!" Listen,
0: you can't, you can't, you have to pause this story because you can't gloss this over. So your co angler was not Todd Woods. Your co angler was Big Daddy Todd Woods, West Coast legend who has won multiple events, is always a contender, and and one of the best guys out on the West Coast. Like everybody knows him, and yeah. he decided to hop into the to this event as a co angler, and then you had him on the final day as your co egler so you not only have this adversity but you have one of the best guys going who's been going for two plus decades behind you so you know dude if i leave the door cracked open here he's gonna he's gonna blow it open for me and i'm gonna be netting his giants all day just, a, yeah. just a, another little element to go into that day
2: so so on that, Matt, yeah, 100%. You know, the dude the dude has, you know, done very well for himself out here. Um, you know, I didn't ask questions why he was fishing from the back. I just knew he was in the back of my boat. and Totally uh, legal. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. And uh, so, you know, and I've known Todd for a long time. Nice guy, works at Angler's Marine, you know, who I work with for my boats. And in the morning, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, like, and I and I think I said it kind of jokingly, but dude, am I gonna have you know rash on my ears today from your line or what? And uh he was very, very respectful as far mm-hmm. as where he was casting and that type of thing, you know. So I appreciated that. And and once you realize that, I think that, that helped yeah. kind of mellow anyway, side
0: sidetrack on the story there. Cause so go back. So Todd so jam Todd jams a good one.
2: Yep. So he he jams a good one. And as he's as he's bringing it up and I go to net it. There's four with it just as big, which, which all that, you know, two things. One, it, it assured me that one, the smallmouth were chewing and two, that there was plenty where we were at. So I net his fish, my, I had already reeled mine in and it's sitting on the deck. So I grabbed it, fired it over there and I'm just about to start my reel and he's like, Hey, I need water in the well. So I set my rod down, go walk back to push the button and something told me like, look back. And I look back and my rod's starting to bow and i'm like oh god i run over there and i go to reel into it you know because i'm fishing five pounds so you can't set you got to do a real set reel into it i'm like big one and it starts coming up and as it's coming up you know it's again it's real clear water at lake amassu right before it gets to the surface probably three feet before the surface makes a hard right turn and my bait falls out oh and so i let i let a pretty good yell out for the coyotes and just got right back to it and um you know, so I, I, you know, that first stop, I got another one out of there, uh, like a two and a half or something, not big, but, you know, it felt good because, you know, I knew, you know, okay, you're going to, you're going to salvage the day, you know, you'll be all right. Um, at this point, my mindset is, hey, if I can get 15, Mike's going to have to get 22, you know, um, which, which is doable, you know, because we've yes. seen those bags, we've seen those bags already. And that guy knows that lake, like the back of his hand, but you know he he hadn't had a 22 pound bag yet in that tournament and you just had to go with you know at least you knew where the lowest you could put the bar and then you know kind of how things might settle out so um you know jump around jump around it's pretty slow though for the most part till about noon it seemed like maybe a light switch went off um fishing got much better and the other thing while i'm chasing these smallmouth matt this time of year a lot of times on the same certain, you know, same structure that you're catching the smallmouth, the the, the largemouth will be staging to come up, and all of a sudden you'll get bit. And you think you got a big smallmouth, and literally you'll catch, you know, a seven pound largemouth, which which I did on day two. I caught a seven pounder on the five pound test. On
0: five pound test.
2: Yeah, and and, and literally the cast prior to that, I caught a four and a half.
0: Holy
2: cow! So so you know, I had plenty of confidence in this technique, and. um, You know, fast forward towards the end of the day, fish on one of my spots, the rod starts to load and I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm getting snagged just the way it was all, you know, transitioning. I'm thinking I'm getting snagged. So I just kind of slowly start to just lean a little bit and all of a sudden it does a big head shake and I'm like, you know, reel into it. And I'm like, net big one thing comes out of the water. It's four and a half pounds, smallmouth, lands. I'm like, you know, and and Todd says it too. We both said it kind of simultaneously. You get this thing in it's game over. So I'm fighting. It's pulling drag. Starts to come up again. Same exact thing. Kind of what to, you know. Kind of to what mm-hmm. happened in the morning. Right before it gets to the surface, turns. Bait comes out. Oh. He doesn't say. He doesn't say anything. I don't say anything. I've got a half hour till weigh in, and I literally, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, we all know when it's your time. It's your time. Um, it's already predetermined anyway. We're just along for the ride. And uh, oh, I was nervous as heck at that point though, because you know, I knew I. I hadn't weighed those fish that day, which I did the, the days prior. And, uh, you know, at, in that position, I'm always going to small, I am, I'm not going to big, I am, cause you don't want to, you know, don't want to be let down. So in my mind, I've got high thirteens, Todd says, you've got at least in the fourteens long story short, I had almost 16. And, uh, you know, when we got to, to weigh in, I have to wait for 25 co-anglers to go. And then I have to wait for 25, 24 pros to go. And I couldn't get those fish on the scales quick enough, man, because, you know, I knew I'd set myself up in a good place. And I'm just thinking, dude, I hope you didn't drop the ball today, you know? And when I got up there and and Alan said, hey, you know, he's telling Mike, he's like, unfortunately, Todd only needs 12. And right then when he said 12, I'm (laughs) like, you
0: knew you had it.
2: I'm like, game over, you know?
0: So this is what I find interesting and this is going to be a little bit of a precursor to kind of what we're going to get into later in the show. But in a, uh, 2014 article in world surf league, uh, they did a a Q and a with you. I think the article is titled the secret life of Todd Klein at the time you're fishing as a co-angler. But, uh, it, it, after I read that article, it kind of feels like there's some similarity. So you have to remember this is eight years ago that you did this. You're fishing as a co-angler and, uh, one of the questions that they asked was what makes a good competitive fisherman? Do you remember doing that article?
2: Uh, I do. I do. I don't, I won't remember like word for word, but as you talk about it, I'll I'll remember.
0: Yeah, this is fascinating. You said uh, probably the biggest thing is being mentally strong during a tournament as you will constantly be challenged during the tournament. This is where many tournaments are won or lost. And you know, that was eight years ago you take your experience through surfing and your former, still kind of current life and then apply it to that final day at Havasu. And dude, that's, I think just the, that's a cool thing that you recognize it back then. And then you're able to see it through in February on Havasu through the lost fish, the log times without a bite, everything that the kind of adversity that you went through on that final day.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I had a coach back in the day when I was get, just getting started as a surfer in Florida, his name was Matt Keckley. Um, and he really taught me the importance of, of the mental side of things. And then as I got deeper into, you know, surfing and actually, you know, it became a profession, um, someone turned me onto a book called the, the psychology of winning. And I, I read that book and, uh, you know, learned a lot from that. And then, you know, aside from what I read in that book, You'll see it firsthand, you know, and, and, you know, next time you're at a tournament, Matt, or, you know, it'll, it'll even probably trigger some things now. Um, and, and for those of you out there listening, um, you know, when I was, when I was surfing those contests back in the day, we would show up at a venue. And in the morning, um, you know, we, you know, even in the lead up to it, you'd have a couple of days, but in the morning, for the most part, you're, the conditions you're practicing in are the conditions you're going to have for the day and multiple times you would see, you know, one individual that would be leap years ahead of everybody else in those conditions. You know, their board was perfect. Their approach to the wave was perfect. Um, It just seemed like everybody was surfing for second. Well, you see that a lot of times in practice too, um, whether it's the guy that's trying to win the tournament on his Instagram, you know, three days prior, or, you know, it's the doc talk or whatever it is, you know, there's always somebody that's, that's, you know, the one that says hundred percent, they're going to win this thing. And one thing I learned is that, yeah, there's, you know, as we all know, there's a ton of really good anglers. Right. But I, I believe, you know, and I said it then in that article and I'll say it now, most tournaments are won or lost right between your ears. And what I mean by that is, you know, in practice, there is absolutely no pressure um you're just out there fun fishing and you know you, you you'll you hear you know let's say the guy's name is is billy and when billy hears his boat number and the tournament director says you're free to go billy immediately billy's mind starts racing do i go north do i go south uh shallow deep oh man you know it's windier the winds change everything starts creeping into his mind and billy's lost you know, day before Billy's on 22 pounds. Right now, Billy doesn't even know where to go. And I just think, you know, it's it's easy to talk about. And I think fortunately for me, I've, I've been able to, you know, at times, you know, just, just kind of keep everything clear, focused. Um, you know, just like in life, you have to have a game plan. Um, you have to kind of set out your day in your mind, like, okay, I'm going to, you know, start here and work my way back or I'm going to start here and work my way down or whatever it is. Um, but you have to have a game plan. And with that game plan, you do have to adjust. You have to, you know, pay attention to the elements that are out there make those key adjustments on the fly. Um, but I think the main thing is, you know, it's all about who you hang with too, at these tournaments. You know, if you, if you hang with guys that are constantly talking, um it's going to creep into your mind um you know i don't know how to summarize it matt but you know we all know it we all hear it the mind the mind is a powerful thing and and uh it can either win a tournament for you or it can lose it for you real quick
0: dude and we could do a whole show on this i love this stuff todd because this is something i struggle with Uh, between the analytics and playing quote money ball and what the smart move is and making decisions. And I've been able to quiet my mind in the opens, but I don't know if I've been able to quiet it because I've tried to take the risk out of it that the reward would be greater. So I'm actually being conservative to quiet my mind and fish more efficiently, or if I need to take more risks, I mean, everyone goes through this, but I want to, I want to piggyback on something you said. I think did Rojas finish like fourth in that event behind you?
2: I think so. Yeah.
0: So when I was covering the Elite Series for 10 years, I went to every single Elite Series event and uh, I, I roomed with Dean Rojas. So I was a media guy and and Dean would fish. And and for a number of those years, it was, you know, we can talk about his off limits. I mean, I'm not an angler. Uh, Dave Rush was shooting fo- photographs and working. He's not an angler. And it was just Dean. And everyone's like, wow, Dean's antisocial, like doesn't want to hang out, thinks he's better yeah. than everyone else. And, uh, I've asked him about that because I've become really good friends with him over the years. I'm like, why, you know, and, and towards the end, he's, I think he rooms with like uh, KJ and boy and a bunch of different guys now, but this was like right in the, right in the meat of that elite series. And he said, dude, he said, he said, I got here doing things my way. You know, you think about his strategy, like the frog and where does he throw it? Non-traditional places where no one else would ever think to throw a frog on non-grass lakes and that type of stuff. And he said, I have enough confidence in myself that there is a reason why I've put enough time and sweat equity in that. There's a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing, even if I don't realize that he said, and that reason is pure as long as another competitor, as long as outside information that I didn't gather doesn't creep into my brain. And he said, the second that I, I feel I'm struggling or I have some self doubt instead of relying on what I think the best thing to do is let's just say he rolls up to the dock and someone says, uh, boy you know they really started chewing that chatterbait once the frog bite died now he yeah. said i i can't help that he said that's i've heard that now he goes that is going to affect my decision making and then you extrapolate that out over the rest of practice and the rest of competition he's like and now i didn't fish my tournament i fished that tournament based on something i heard from someone else so if i insulate myself If I separate myself from that competition, I fish a pure tournament and I can go home with an 80th place finish, knowing that it was my 80th place finish. And I can also go home with the first place finish, knowing it was my first place finish. And there's probably not going to be anyone around me because it had nothing to do with doc talk. That's what you just described.
3: Yeah, Yeah.
2: no, that's, I love hearing that. And, and, um, you know, I think again, you know, everybody I think says they want to win, but they also, I think, you know, they, they, they're into these tournaments for other reasons too, you know. We're social so,
0: creatures, man. I mean, we like yeah. – that is part of it. We need that. We're social creatures.
2: Yeah. Some dudes want to, you know, stay up all night around the campfire, drink beer, talk story. and That's cool too, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't – you know, there's nothing bad about that. It's just – that's not why I'm there. You know, I'd rather sit around the campfire and drink beers after, our, you know, you win. Um, and, and that was also something I learned and, and a friend of mine taught me. And, you know, I'm, I'm in a different world now. But when I was a, a teenager at those surf contests, uh, you know, our um, our environment looks a little different, you know, at, at our uh, tournament or at our contest. versus Distractions. Wayne, right?
0: Is that what we're talking about? Fun. Maybe yeah. some, some potential distractions.
2: You got a lot of young ladies in bikinis. Right. And as a teenager, you know, you you, that's top of mind at that point. And my buddy told me, he's like, hey, you know, clear your mind. Don't worry about that right now. Mm -hmm. That girl, that girl, that girl. They're all going to be watching the awards at the end of this event. If you're holding the trophy, they want to talk to you and you know it's the same thing it's the same thing you know obviously i'm i'm married now and have and have a a, you know a young a young boy but that's not what i'm out there but my point is is that you know you know you have to understand that hey you're either there to win or you're there to just have fun and and enjoy your friends um you know and i try and balance all the above but when it comes down to the actual tournament you know i try and do as much as i can just you know on my own stay on my own stay focused and uh and fish you know
0: uh, we've had Matt Stefan on before with his mental coach, Katie Gruber, who actually talked about a system for that. I think she put together a, like a six-week course for anglers to try to get their mind right. You're talking breathing, positive thoughts, that type of stuff. You did mention that book, The Psychology of Winning. Still available? Still something you would recommend to everybody looking to to take the next step?
2: Yeah, you know, the way I always look at, you know, anything is, you know, you can apply it to whatever it is that you do. You know, if it's tournaments... And for that matter, I believe the psychology of winning has helped me just in life in general, you know, and the way you analyze things and, and, um, you know, you, you mentioned breathing. I've, I recently, you know, and I haven't done it since I got back from that last tournament and it, it's killing me. I want to go, but yoga, yoga is a big deal, you know, um, just physically it's a, it's a big deal, but it also, you know, you mentioned the breathing side of things and being able to take your mind to a certain place and, and, um, you know, some guys will laugh and, and think it's corny. Hey, that's fine. But, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different things and it's, and it's different for each, each, uh, each one of us, Matt, you know, what mm-hmm. works for me might not work for others, but you know, there's definitely something there and you have to try and tap into it, um, to just better yourself as an individual and, and prepare yourself mentally for, for different challenges in life. You know, hopefully I
0: didn't pull up the wrong book. Is it Dr. Dennis Watley? Is that it?
2: Uh, it looks like it. I'm, I'm, I'm on my phone right now. So, okay. And I'm, still, it. and I'm still, it's from and I'm
0: 1984.
2: Still, it's early. It's early.
0: Okay. The psychology of winning yeah. 10, 10 qualities of a total winner.
2: I had it. Uh, it sounds right. I had it, I had it in the, uh, in the nineties.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, there's a yeah. bunch of, a couple different, uh, it looks, it looks like, was it a blue book?
2: Uh, no, it actually, I want, I want to say it had like a, a white, it, it looked similar to what you had there. Okay. So it was a white, yeah. white, cover, That's white it. cover. I actually have turned, uh, like, you know, cause I still do quite a bit of stuff in the surf world. Um, and I've had some of the dads that I used to compete against, you know, uh, ask me to, to help their kids, you know, on, on, in this aspect. And I, you know, I turned them on that onto that book as well.
0: Nice. All right. Uh, I want to get into, into that uh kind of surfing life related to uh the bass fishing and life lessons but before before i do we got to get a little education in here uh on the cool baits underspin with the five why the five and it sounds like you have an entire system with that seven foot six inch rod the way you load that you load that up that's that's the underspin are you sponsored by cool baits
2: yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: I didn't know that. I mean, I remember when I fished the US Open, I got them, right? Yeah. And then I'm, you're like, these things look, they look kind of chunky a little bit. They look a little goofy at first. And then yeah. you put like a 2.8 Kitek on like the eighth ounce or the smaller one. And you're like, yep. Yeah. Okay. This is the deal. And I am willing to pay $9 for one
2: yeah it's pretty crazy it's funny i i uh i listened. i can't remember a week ago two weeks ago it would have been probably probably the day after i won or something you guys were on and you guys were going back and forth and whoever was on with with you was like well could he have caught it on seven pound could he have caught it on six pound (laughs) and and, uh maybe i could shoot i i would love to catch him on seven pound you know it'd be a lot a lot easier process um but you know not to get sidetracked here but for me and even when i'm guiding here locally my theory always is you got to get bit before you can get broke off. And if you're hooking the right ones um, and you're coming in and you're, you know, in contention, then obviously it's, it's doing something better than the other guys. Um, the other thing, the other thing uh, that I think that five pound, why it is so good on that Cool Baits, Matt, is, you know, if you watch that thing, like you said, whether it's a 2.8 or whatever the trailer is you got on it, that thing does all kinds Mm -hmm. of wobbling and the blades under there spinning even at a slow slow retrieve um you know a lot of a lot of the baits you know they run a, a double a double bearing swivel underneath so two of them right so it just frees it up that much more so at the slowest of retrieve that blade is still undulating underneath there and that bait's wobbling and um man i've caught so many big smallmouth and largemouth on that bait that it's crazy and the other thing is too you know if they're higher in the water column obviously you go a little quicker and sometimes when they're actually aggressively on the surface you fire over there and you kind of hold your rod high and and you and when you burn it it's going to run true whereas other baits tend to do this you know they'll want to get up on the side you Mm -hmm. know that cool baits will run true so that bait for me you know it's two brothers that uh you know are local here in southern california justin and sean um, they make them in their garage still to this day. No joke. And, oh, yeah, yeah. They, uh, they hand-pour them, the whole deal. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I came across those early and fostered a relationship with those guys. And, um, yeah, those baits are, are unbelievable. And a lot of guys uh, crush them around here. <clears throat> I'll say on the inshore, you know, they catch a lot of spotted mm-hmm. bass and uh, calicos on those things as well.
0: And then it sounds like the 7-6 rod is key to keeping those. I know you lost a couple on the final day, but you also landed yeah. a 7-2 largemouth on the second day. It sounds like that longer, is it a parabolic bend or a fast action or what are we It is.
2: It's, it's, um, I don't, I don't have one here. Kind of like a
0: crankbait of, rod almost where it really yeah. allows, allows that.
2: It's got a real fast tip, but it, it'll come back quite a ways. It's not just, just on the end, you know? Um, and so I tell, you know, I tell my clients cause they always ask, what is this, man? This is the perfect setup. Cause I'll throw the thin senko on that too. Um, with that seven, six, with that tip, it allows you to cast really far, which is a big deal, especially out West here with the clarity of the water. Um, but then just as important or even more important, you have to have that drag set, right. And then that tip, you know, when, cause we talked about it, you know, earlier in the show, you get bit, you just want to reel. And as it starts to load, then lean a little bit and then wind and I'll wind against that drag until that fish makes the first run the other way. So then, you know, that it, it got that hook. Um, and then once that happens, as long as your drag set, right. And there's nothing really, they can get you into. You know, it's just a game of, of waiting them out, keeping them from jumping, that type of thing. Um, but for me, that is that is the ultimate setup. It's a rod that Okuma makes. Um, it's a 7.6, as you mentioned. I think it's a medium light.
0: Oh, wow. uh, it's like a trout rod.
2: You know, so here it's a kind of an interesting story. How I came across that rod, originally it was uh, in a walleye series that they did. And I was at a meeting uh, at Okuma, we were, you know, talking about designs and the next season of, of, uh, you know, rods and reels. And on a break, I walked over and was looking at the rack and I just went like as high as I could to see the taller rods. And I'm like seven, six, okay, pick it up. And I'm like, Oh, this is the, this is the jam right here. And I asked my buddy, Dave, I'm like, Hey Dave, do you mind if I use this thing for bass fishing? He's like, what? And I explained it to him. He goes, no, go ahead. Give it a whirl. And you know, lo and behold, here we are six seven years later, it's my favorite rod. And it went from Deadeye uh walleye series to now it's Deadeye Pro. And they just, you know, they they've changed a couple of things with the um uh guides and just you know kind of made it a little bit better for bass fishing but that uh that is the ultimate rod for you know thin senko and for the light uh little swim baits and 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 the cool baits underspin.
0: That's good stuff Todd. It's very good yeah. stuff.
2: <laughs> and, and the crazy, the crazy part is Matt. Sorry not to go back on it. Uh-huh. Sound like a, a, an infomercial. No, that's that, what we're that, here for. That that rod is under a hundred bucks, and the reel is like one twenty-five. So when I tell clients, you know, because they'll show up sometimes bringing their own stuff, and they've got high-end, crazy stuff, and they're like, "Dude, I'm going to get this thing today. What's it going to cost me?" And I tell them, and they're like, "Stop. Seriously, what's it going to cost?" And I'm like, "That's the price, dude. It's going to cost you all up like two twenty-five for the whole get-up." And they're like. Oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's pretty cool. And I, and I like the fact of that because a lot of clients that I have, you know, aside from guys that are you know established anglers, you get a lot of newer, you know, um, fishermen. And so when you tell them that it's a great opportunity for them to get into something that's not going to break the bank, but it's perfect for what they're doing. You know,
0: we have discussions on the value that the, that the professional angler and the pro staffers who get paid have and bring to the brands versus youtube versus all that and and what i don't think a lot of people see is the stuff that uh yeah you're good you gotta get the dolphins in the background but what i don't think a lot of people see is the stuff that they get in their hands and say hey this is what you the rod you throw on the chatterbait this is what you crank with they don't see the behind the scenes of how many hundreds of hours kvd has into his crankbait series of rods or brett height has into his bladed jig rod or Michael Neal has it to his spinning rod or what you have for that light line, like all that stuff, that's where the, the real value is. And then the winning of the tournament is the icing on the cake that allows you to highlight it on things like that. But it's that stuff that happens where professional anglers show their value to the companies across the board, whether it be hard baits, soft baits, terminal tackle, or rods and reels.
2: Yeah, no, it's um, you know, it it, it feels good, you know, especially you know, Matt working with the different brands, you know, some of them, you know, there's, there's a relationship there, but there's not really a relationship there. And mm-hmm. there's other where it's like, you know, calling, calling a family member almost, you know, or, or they're calling you to congratulate you immediately. And you know, that's, that's what it's all about. You know, it's always cool when, you know, you can foster those relationships They they'll listen to you when you give them feedback, they'll make those adjustments. Um, and it's just, uh, you know, it, it, like we're talking about now when you hundred percent use the equipment, believe in the equipment, um, you know, it's authentic. And so when you have those conversations with people, it's, it's not just, you know, an infomercial or something you're trying to sell someone on it's, it's actually coming from the heart. It's like, dude. I'm trying to hook you up with literally the best setup for this, you know, application or this bait for these elements. Um, and when you believe in something, it's it's a win win for all parties, you know.
0: It's good stuff. It is uh, February 15th. Talking with California Toyota Series champion Todd Klein on BTL. We're gonna get. We're gonna stay in the water, but we're gonna go from a bass boat to a board when we come back after this. We'll be back after these messages.
1: The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the
2: ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry-leading design coupled with tournament-winning performance. The Puma STS from Basscat. Feel the rush. Everything you need, one legendary breed.
1: Hey guys, Gerald Swindle, representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough, and I'm talking about the weather, not fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket, because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up, you're bad about getting water that runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long-armed. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got enough pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water brain that's 30k baby 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet super warm if it's cold in the winter time you put on your hydronaut you're gonna be a much more comfortable person if you don't want just look sexy at dairy queen wear your hydronaut we got it from small to 5x most rain gear does not come in that many sizes you got waist adjusting strap we can make it fit you no matter what the environment is we want you to be comfortable we want you to be dry you gotta check it out they ain't gonna let you down
0: shoreline boat and rv dock rash storm damage collision repair that deep scratch or gouge from trying to access that secret creek shoreline boat and rv can get your prize possession back in mint condition and looking good on the water fast all repairs are done in-house so they're able to get your boat or rv back to brand new quickly all shorelines work comes with a rock solid warranty find out more at shorelineboatandrv.com kansas city austin and tulsa
1: Elite Series Pro, Derek Gleason here. My Pro Guide Batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide Batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polnick here.
0: all right welcome back btl on a wednesday almost already through another week and i do want to mention before we get back to our guest todd klein here so we had matt looney from pro Guide batteries in studio uh a couple weeks ago and he called and he said that the uh viewer feedback and response from the pro Guide battery episode people who reached out to him people who used the BTL 10% off code on ProGuide batteries. It's interesting. We had a little segment there before we went about uh, adding value to your sponsors and working on things. Uh, big shout out to the BTL community. He called and he's like, best sponsorship deal we've ever done was with was with BTL. And that's how it works in coordination. Get content from them, work. I learn more about how my system sets up. Everyone learns more about it. And in return, company that's been around for over 45 years uh get some business out of it and it's a I believe Todd the word is a symbiotic relationship.
2: Facts. Yeah, that's good stuff, Matt. Always uh always good when we can uh you know, scratch the back uh of our sponsors and vice versa, you know what I mean? That's like you said that's when it's uh symbiotic and then and, uh, everybody's high five at the end of the year and you're renewing your deal.
0: All right, uh, let's do a, a, a truncated version of how you ended up in the surf world. Let me see if I've got this right. Started out, you grew up in Florida, or, you're, or you were you're raised in Florida. Everyone thinks of you as a California guy, but you're in Florida. You you got introduced to surfing. One thing led to another. At 18, you turned pro, uh, and then at 21, somewhere between there, you moved out to California, and that is your one and only job was surfing on the ASP qualification series.
2: Yeah. Yep. So was that right?
0: Did I seriously get that right?
2: That's facts. Yeah. That's facts.
0: I'm impressed with myself. uh,
2: I was born, uh, born and raised, uh, down in Broward, Broward County, uh, Fort Lauderdale. And as a, as a, you know, youth, uh, I would come home from school, grab my bike, grab literally like a bag of culprit worms, uh, one bag of bullet weights and some hooks and go somewhere, throw my bike in the bushes, start walking and just fish till sunset come home. Right. That was almost daily. Um, as about 13, 14 started surfing, uh, really got into it. Um, started to enter some of the local contests, started to have some success and, uh, loved the competitive side of things. I played sports as well as a kid loved football, but never grew. Uh, still hoping I will someday, but I don't think that's going to happen. And, um, so I had that competitive drive and I found it in surfing. Um, and then I, you know, I was making a little bit of money, you know, as a profession, you know, 18, 19, 20, uh, there in Florida. Um, and a friend of mine was home for Christmas. He was going to San Diego state. And, you know, he asked me, he's like, dude, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to surf. He's like, well, if this is what really you really want to do, then, you know, come to California, come stay at my place. I've got an extra room. He rented it to me for like 300 bucks a month, you know, knowing that I wasn't going to be around anyway, because I'd be traveling a lot. And he's like, you know, you already know, but that's where the industry is. That's where all the media is. That's where all the companies are. It's where all the photographers are. He's like, if you want to do it, go 100 percent, you know, give it a year or two and, and see where you sit. And so literally, Matt, like three days later, you know, he was home for Christmas. I loaded up my, I forget what year it was, but my Toyota Tercel, put all my, put all my boards inside, put all my, you know, whatever I owned at that Mm -hmm. time and drove across country and uh, have been here ever since.
0: Wow. So you basically did the reverse of what people do in fishing, where they leave California and pack up and move (laughs) to Alabama. You left the East Coast and packed up and moved to
2: yeah. So, and, and, the, and then the crazy part was, you know, I, I, again, I had that passion for fishing, but when I moved here, it's the desert. So yeah. it was, pre, it was pre-internet and I just assumed I couldn't fish anymore for, so for about 10 years, uh, I did not fish in California. Um, I would still bass fish when I'd go to South Africa. I would still bass fish when I went to, you know, Spain or France or wherever I knew I could fish. But where where I lived here in California, I didn't bass fish for ten years, and i I wish I would have got into it earlier because that was like the mm-hmm. heyday out here when oh, yeah. you know all the, all the lakes were stocking trout, and there was just giants everywhere. But um, I'm just fortunate I finally real I realized what we have out here because there is some unbelievable resources.
0: Have you seen all those lakes like Dixon and Cassidy? Yeah. I mean, have you la- So I've never personally seen them. But everyone that I talk to is like, dude, you have in your mind, what these things look like. Cause you've seen them in Bassmaster. You've seen them in the articles you've heard about all this stuff. And they're like, and then when you get to them, you're like, dude, it's a pond. Yeah. Is that, is yeah. that how it is when you see them?
2: Well, Dixon, Dixon, that's a fact, you know what I mean? And you can't, you can't take your personal boat. You have to use their rentals or walk the shore. Um, but some of our other lakes, you know, considering what you guys fish, you could still almost say it's a pond, but you know they're they're pretty decent sized bodies of water. I mean you can you know I don't I forget acreage wise, but um, you know you can you can do seventy miles per hour for at least a couple of minutes to get to your next spot if you <laughs> want. to.
0: You know, okay, couple of minutes.
2: Yeah, couple of. Trust me, you're not going to burn much fuel.
0: Uh, that's good. So, so this also stuck out to me in my research, and I I feel like this was either. I, this is blew me away. So you're professional surfer, 21 to 25, and then you get approached by your your sponsor. Like this is legit. This is Quicksilver. This isn't like Jim's board shorts that is sold into. This is Quicksilver. This is the this is the surfing brand, right? What are the what, yeah. what are the main surfing brands? Would it be like uh, I'm bad at it, like Billabong? Was that one of them?
2: Yeah, yeah. At that at that O'Neil time, O'Neill you know, and
0: Quicksilver.
2: Yeah. I mean, in a rip curl, you know,
0: um,
2: yeah, in those early days, but I mean, Quicksilver was at the time the, you know, the Nike of the NBA, you know, the Nike of the NFL.
0: So you're in your prime, you have moved your entire life. You're four years into your career. And then at 25, you leave professional surfing for an industry job with Quicksilver.
2: Yeah. So, you know, when I, when I packed up and left Florida, uh, you know, I'm not going to get super detailed, but I feel a lot of people and, and fortunately for them, they have what I'll call a safety net. Um, they come from a, a very solid background as far as their family. Um, there's, there's money there if they need to fall back on it. When, you know, I'll say pushed away from the dock in Florida, it was on me to sail. There was no one else that was going to, you know mm-hmm. uh there just wasn't that fin- financial means for me to go back to to Florida um and so you know like anything in life we talked about a little bit earlier whether it's fishing or whatever you have to have a plan um uh, my plan was I'm going to surf professionally I will make a living um but I know at the end of that when it starts to wind down I'm going to be a sales rep for Quicksilver um that's that was my mindset I was going to actually go into sales um so quicksilver was was my first apparel company uh that sponsored me in florida um i don't know if we'll have time but that's a pretty funny story in itself when i first Uh, got it's up
0: to you if you have uh, i don't know what your time is but dude we could go two and a half hours if you wanted to as long as
2: perfect Perfect. so i'm gonna jump into this so i i'm surfing a local a local contest at deerfield beach pier in south florida anybody from florida will know where that is and i get out of the water after one of my heats and I can't even remember if I won that heat or not. And an individual approaches me and says, "Hey, do you have a, a clothing sponsor?" And I said, "No." Uh, and I was—I mean, I was a prankster when I was a kid. So <laughs> this this individual says, "Well, would you be interested in in you know being a part of Quicksilver?" Again, it's the Nike, right? Yeah. And so I'm I'm very low key because I'm like, okay, someone's someone's put this dude up to this. This is a joke. And I'm like, yeah, yes, yes, sir, I would. Um, he goes, okay, well, let me, let me get your, uh, your name and your address and, and we'll send you some stuff. So I just go with it. I give it to him and I walk away and I go over and I ask him and I'm like, dude, who is that guy over there? And they're like, oh, that's the rep. He's the rep for Quicksilver. Long story short, my first package that comes to my house, I had just gotten a puppy. I get home from school and I find this package that's tore open and immediately I find a t-shirt and I'm looking all over the house for the rest of the stuff. That was my first package was a t-shirt. Um, so <clears throat> just kind of funny backstory. Cause one, I thought it was fake yeah. Two, my first package is a t-shirt. And so at, after them being one of my first sponsors, I, I was with them for probably, I don't know, four, four years or something. And then I went to another company ha- with a multi-year deal, right? Cause at the time I'm a small fish in a big pond with Quicksilver. And then I was switching, going to another company where I was the big fish in a small pond mm-hmm. and it worked out. That was cool. they were running ads of you. You know, you were making more money. Um, and then once that deal ended, they weren't going to renew it. And so I went knocking back on the door at Quicksilver. And I always, you know, always try and leave on good terms. Very appreciative. You know, you never want to burn a bridge. It's the same thing in the, in the fishing world. It's a very small world. Everybody knows everybody. And all it takes is for you know one time you did one thing wrong, and it's just you know, now it's got you've got that stigma, right? Yep. So I left on good terms, and so I was knocking on the Quicksilver door, knocking on the Quicksilver door, and I kept saying, No, Todd, no, Todd, no, Todd. Finally, you know, at the time it was like uh the VP of marketing says, Okay, you know, come on down, Todd, let's talk. So I I go down, I meet with with Danny Kwok was the individual's name, and he's like, Here's the deal, Todd. We're going to give you an opportunity to get a foot in the door on the marketing side, and we'll continue to sponsor you. But our vision is we're going to wind down that sponsorship and increase your workload as we see if you're willing to make that adjustment. I said, "Done deal, let's go." You know, um, so you know it's early. I'm only 25 years old. I, I'm sure I still had gas in the tank for the competitive side of things. But as I mentioned, I had no safety net, so I knew that door was not going to open again. If you told that individual, "No, I'm not ready to do that," who knows where I'd be today, right? So, took that opportunity. I was literally just a grunt. Uh, you know, I was the guy that had to get there first thing in the morning at all the different events, set up the tent, bring the cooler with you know the drinks for all the competitors, et cetera, et cetera. But because of my work ethic and um, you know drive and passion for the sport as a whole you know, I, I started to really progress pretty quickly within the, you know, the ranks there at Quicksilver, um, you know, eventually started running the amateur program, then ran the the pro program, took over the whole surf program. Wow. Um, and, and so, you know, you learn, you know, along the way, you already were on the other side negotiating your own deals as a professional surfer. Now you're on the other side of that table, knowing what that individual's thinking. And now you're representing the company and, and putting those deals together. Um, Long story short, Matt, I was there 16 years, wow. eventually, uh, you know, and I was there during the heydays. So we, you know, we had you know, some beautiful budgets. We had some great <laughs> events. Um, and, you know, I, I basically got a hands-on education front row right there uh, at Quicksilver. You know, went from, you know, absolutely just first time in the in the door to finishing up as a marketing director. And um, for me, you know, aside from that being a great 16 years of my life, now I'm able to apply a lot of the things i learned to what i'm doing in the fishing world and and that's what's given me the opportunity to actually fish fish professionally you know
0: there's a lot of life lessons in that story that you just told todd there's a lot of people that i think in the fishing will go no i'm a i'm a fisherman i don't want to i don't i don't want anything and i understand that because i actually like reverse engineered that started in the industry and now going into the fishing but understand the value of of that and seeing it from the other side but in a reverse but that is did you ever think like when you're 25 or something and you're setting those tents up like i can't believe i stopped and now i'm given the drinks and setting up a tent for what i was doing last year like you never had that kind of disconnect
2: nope Nope. i i knew it's it's I don't know, you know, and again, I think this goes back to what we were talking about, just the, the power of the mind. Like, mm-hmm. you have you have to just 100 commit, 100 percent commit, and don't look back. You know what I mean? Because it's kind of like what you said, Rojas says. You know, if 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 you start to think about this or start to think about that, it's going to dilute your focus and it's going to take you off the path you know you need to be on. And you're gonna lose your direction and drive and, and the individuals that you're reporting to at that time are gonna see that. And you know, just like you know, my position in in my my seat today as a as an angler or your position in, in with your with your business or you as an angler, there's five guys lined up behind us. Right. And if we don't realize that and 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 motivate ourselves to to stay one step ahead of those guys, that's when you're gonna to start to go the other way. And that that was that was my mindset, will always be my mindset. That's what I hope to employ into my child. And and um yeah, man, I'm I'm gonna have a good time while I'm doing it, but I'm gonna stay focused, you know.
0: So what years were you doing that at Quicksilver? Because this is pretty funny, I
2: think. Uh it would have been it would have been in the in the nineties, uh early two thousands, you know, yeah. late, late nineties, late nineties. Uh I think I finished up there, you know, 2010. I don't know. I'd have to oh, go, I'm four. Yeah. Poor-
0: so- so while you're actually running that stuff, I'm wearing Quicksilver every single day for 50% of my wardrobe in central Illinois and then Oklahoma as a hockey player <laughs> and bass fisherman that has never touched a surfboard in my life.
2: Yeah. yeah no, it was. It, it was, was, was the
0: brand, you know, man.
2: It was 100%. And and for me, Matt, you know, you'd you'd make a cold call to somebody to try, You you'd have a vision of something. wanted to do um and you would cold call somebody and you would think you know 99 percent of the people they're not even going to answer that phone but you because you're calling from quicksilver it just made things that much easier um you know i did a lot of stuff with the lakers back in the day um did a lot of stuff with the nfl out at the pro bowl in hawaii um and just you know super fun stuff but was was also very uh instrumental instrumental in the success for the brand at that time you know and it was uh it was awesome to be a part of
0: top surfers in the world share the same qualities as the top NBA players in the world and the top bass fishermen in the world and the top NFL guys in the world is there all something I mean you've been around a lot of guys that are the best in the world is there some common thread in your opinion and dealing with all that from behind the scenes that they all have
2: yeah i you know it's i, I believe it's it, it's very much the same just the landscape's different you know and that's that's what we we've kind of touched on throughout this show but mm-hmm. you know my mindset coming through surfing and again you know a lot a lot mm-hmm. of this you learn on your own but a lot of it you know was was a, a seed was planted or implemented by you know colleagues along the way but you know the, some of the biggest things and i've mentioned this you know uh in the past is that control the controllables, right? Because, you know, just like in surfing, there are so many elements that are constantly changing. Um, so make sure you are as prepared as you can be in the lead up to it. Um, and then be willing to adjust. But it's like, you know, again, control the controllables and then adjust on the fly. And a lot of guys, you know, they, they don't prepare upfront to, to have it as easy as they can as far as, you know, making sure they got the right stuff rigged up on the deck or, or whatever it is, um, but that's one thing that hit home with me early was control the controllables because there's so many variables in our sport and there's a ton of variables in surfing, um, and you can either you know adjust on the fly or you can let them rattle you, you know, if you if you're not ready for it. That
0: 2014 article. When they when you ask are there parallels between surfing and fishing your answer was was real interesting you said absolutely just like surfing you will see guys with tons of talent but as soon as the tournament starts and we talked about this earlier or a surfer puts on the competition lycra I'm assuming that's yeah, a type of fabric like, it's the jersey okay so he puts on the jersey they yeah. can't perform at their full potential
2: yeah and and it's you know we t- we touched on that earlier yeah. you know a guy a guy is in the lead up to that tournament, crushing him. Um, He's on the winning bite, whatever it is. But as you get closer to that tournament and the start of that tournament, the pressure mounts, right? And the doc talk starts to set in, the elements are changing. You know, it's been a south wind at 80 degrees for a week and you've been crushing them. Well, guess what? A front just came through. It's going to be north at 20 and water temps dropping 5, 10 degrees, whatever it is. That guy, even though he, you know, he might just have to make a couple minor adjustments to stay on those fish, he just completely loses it.
0: Top is gone. He just total yard sale.
2: (laughs) lug bolts are off the wheels, the wheels <laughs> how many times have you
0: seen someone that you know is a little bit of a head case and i've been that guy before but i recognize that i've tried to fix it but you see him go roam and then like 30 minutes later they're like Room! <laughs> and you turn to your the angler and you're like he's having a bad day and they're like what do you mean you're like hey i've just seen him go past four times in the last hour and i mean it is like trimmed out just trying walking in there yeah yeah you're like oh there's a lot uh nick no we're talking about quicksilver the clothing brand not quicksilver the mercury brand this is like the west coast quicksilver brand um todd so i've got down bowling golf rodeo and nascar did the show with mark jeffries for 18 years and he loved to talk and compare other sports to bass fishing those were the four that we've come up with that are that are, are have the most parallels but it seems like the more research I've done with this, the more I've talked to you, and the more I've looked at it like professional surfing is actually probably the best parallel because of how many uncontrollable circumstances. As far as the lead up to get into it, to get to that top level, is it very comparable to uh, the, the journey up to the Elite Series or the BPT?
2: Yeah. Again, you know, drawing parallels, you, you can do it the same way as far as how to qualify for, you know, the top of the surfing world is called the championship tour. Um, whether you want to equate that to the elites or to the, the, the Bass Pro Tour, Mm -hmm. um, that would be the CT. Um, and then, you know, I, I competed on the qualifying series, which there's elements within that. Um, so you could say it's, you know, Toyota series, uh, you know, BFLs, Um, opens, Mm -hmm. those would all be, those would all be qualifying series. Um, and, and it's, it's very similar in the fact that the top guys will sometimes jump into the qualifying series. Um, so, you know, you're constantly, you've got big name guys in those qualifying series, which will prepare you for when you do qualify for the, for the big day. But yeah, there's, there's, there's very much similarities and and parallels to even the qualification, um, another sport it's not quite as extreme uh, as fishing or surfing as far as how much things change um, because the the playing field you know does adjust a little bit but as golf you know what I mean um you're you're out there amongst the elements as far as wind um and you know they they move the hole on different days um, so, you know, there's, there's some similarities to, to that sport as well, but, you know, surfing for me and unfortunately for me, there was so many parallels. I think it really helped prepare me, um, to, to, you know, to get to where I am today and, and hopefully well past this. But another thing that really helped me and I think would help others if they're, if they're looking to, to get into tournaments, you know, maybe, maybe they're doing the local team tournament stuff now. That's where I cut my teeth but it's co-angling, you know, co-angling. I did it for five years. Um, and you're, you're a lot of times, depending on where you're located, you're fishing the same bodies of water that you're going to be fishing as a pro. Um, so whether you draw a top name, whether you draw an absolute, you know, guy that's doing it for the first time from the front, you can always learn. You can learn the things you want to do, and you can learn the things you don't want to do, but uh, it's a great process to forward your mindset and understanding of what it takes to be a professional angler, um, how to break down water. Uh, and, and you know, I think it's a great, great uh, stepping stone within our sport for people to to engage and start to kind of cut their teeth as a competitive angler
0: i saw where you got your first board because you found a ring with a small diamond in it and you sold that ring for 75 bucks and bought a surfboard and I, I immediately was like dude the the you can't get into bass fishing for 75 bucks cost it inhibits but that story really piqued my interest because it sounds like
2: a couple things i'm gonna jump in real quick dude you are un- unbelievable. I can just tell you're dynamic in this world. You're going to have <laughs> great success in the fishing industry. Uh, I'm also blown away by your research. Uh, well, it's, I
0: mean so- it's I do. I do a fishing podcast. That's my that's my job. So it's I know,
2: but but there's a lot of people that do them, and you do it right. So hats off to you. Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm going to jump in there, and I'm going to add to that, and you're going to trip out on this. So facts, I was at the beach with my brother uh, and his friend. My brother is four years older than me, uh, so I'm with the older boys. They've got surfboards. I'm riding like uh, this old school, almost like a boogie board type thing, but I'm standing up on that and riding that. I'm on the beach, sitting down, relaxing after being in the water, kicking my feet around in the sand. Sure enough, I find a gold ring. Uh, I wanted to get a surfboard, as I mentioned, didn't have, you know, wasn't coming up through a lot of money. So a friend of mine who actually I was with that day, my brother's friend, His family owned a jewelry uh, store. His dad cleaned that ring up for me. My dad bought it from me for $75. He gave it to my mom. Uh, I bought my first surfboard, right? That launched me on the the surf world. Check this out. So earlier than that, uh, before I got into surfing, my first fishing rod, Matt, I'm at my brother's T-ball. Mind you, he's four years older than me and I'm climbing in a tree and I look up in the tree People in Florida, and I think probably other states, they fly kites on fishing rods. This fishing rod must have got away from somebody. I climb to the top of the tree and get my first fishing rod.
0: Get out of here. Yeah. So they use a kite, basically. They hook it up to their bait, and then they use the kite to get it out past the surf to where whatever the shark yep. or whatever <laughs> is. No, no, no.
2: no. So, so yes, they do that now for fishing. Individuals will go to a park and... Open up their spool and fi- fly oh, their kite fly
0: tight with it, and then reel it in. Okay, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you.
2: Yeah. So they're just there cruising, flying a kite. No, and way.
0: you're climbing a tree and find your first fishing rod.
2: Yeah, yeah. I just think you know, as I look back and reflect now as an adult, you're like, dude, that's pretty cool things that were like basically mm-hmm. put into your life.
0: But you, you also know? did the. You also had the wherewithal to do something with it, to follow that passion, to not be like, oh, let's go blow it on something to take it and invest, you know, invest or to use it, or you could have done different things with it. That's where yeah, I think the individual personality and, and the drive came into play. Cause there's, I think a yeah. lot of people who have the opportunities you don't take advantage of them. And then they're, they're the guys going, well, you know, this guy just gets lucky. Look at the brakes yeah. he had. He found a ring. He found a fishing rod. Well, I think if you're looking for those <laughs> and you're purpose driven and goal driven, you see that and you're like, Here's my in and go, just like it was with Quicksilver and 16 year relationship with that.
2: Yeah, no, true. You know, I mean, I'm I'm fortunate, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't know how to articulate it all, but I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I I believe in faith and, and, uh, you know, put my, my, uh, my life in in his hands and and pray, pray about it. And, um, you know, you, you don't get me wrong, there's plenty of turbulence along the way, but if you have that. Uh, to lean back on and, you know, instill it in your family. Um, you know, uh, you're, you're, we're always going to, we're always going to have bumps in the road, but as long as you got two hands on the wheel uh, and you have a destination in mind, you're going to get there, you know, and, and it's the people, I think, unfortunately for them, uh, you know, maybe when they hit that, you know, couple of potholes in the road, they just pull over or whatever yeah. it is and they never, they never get to their destination. And, you know, uh, you just got to stay focused. You got to have a plan and, and make it happen, you know. Uh,
0: to kind of put a bow on this, you even made another transition in that industry to the broadcasting desk. And that's something that you're still involved with to this day a little bit, correct?
2: Yeah. Yep. So at the tail end of Quicksilver, uh, unfortunately, you know, they were declining. Um, they weren't hitting the numbers that they were. They were making a lot of corporate cuts. Uh, I was able to duck those cuts, you know, probably a half a dozen times, eventually got that call, uh, you know, on a, on a Sunday and they said, Hey, you know, unfortunately yeah, we're going to have to, you know, make some changes. You know, we're going to call you into the office on Monday. So I went out, you know, went through that process. They took care of me really well on the way out, which gave me time to find my feet. And I was already doing some broadcasts. Uh, As one of my responsibilities with Quicksilver um, at at our big surf competitions, you know, we would do these live broadcasts and so eventually They they were making a change from the ASP to the WSL, which is now the World Surf League So it'd be the equivalent of the FLW uh, making the change to Major League Fishing And so at that time they were, you know, putting together a team for their broadcast I put my name in the hat was selected And was able to do that for six years, you know, traveling some of the best venues, you know, in the world, um, and then doing live broadcast, you know, and I played, you know, roles from, you know, that's, that's there on the desk, where I was actually a host, uh, or the, uh, the anchor, and then, excuse me, I would also do beach commentary, where you're, you know, down there roaming, and trying to bring behind the scenes insight, you know, uh, Kelly Slater just broke a fin. Uh, you know, you at home watching, don't know that I'm going to go find out, get that board that was just broken. Let, you know, on the inside, right when he kicked out, there's a rock right here, you know, it broke his fin out. He's now on a backup board. There's a little bit of a change, uh, you know, keep an eye on that. Let's see how it plays out for the next eight minutes in this heat. Now that he's on a backup board. And so for me, it was really exciting. I still enjoy doing it, um, but, you know, always trying to find, okay, if I'm sitting at home watching this event, what what do I want to know if I'm there live? And I needed to go find that stuff behind the scenes to bring it to the viewer at home to have them go, wow, that's awesome, man. Let's see how this thing unfolds now, you know.
0: Just good stuff. Uh, are you, like, really best friends with Kelly Slater?
2: No. We, 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 I used to, you know, stay at his house a lot when we were kids. Really? Uh, we still keep in touch. He's actually in Hawaii right now, uh, with his girl. Um, but yeah, we spent a lot of time together growing up over the years and, uh, you know, he's a great dude and obviously the best, uh, ever, you know, give him an
0: equivalent, an equivalent in the fishing world.
2: Kevin Van Dam or Jacob Wheeler at this point, you know? Yeah.
0: Is he as chill and intense as he comes across in every documentary and stuff that I've seen him?
2: He is. He's, uh, you know, and the interesting thing is too, Matt, sorry, but we came from very similar backgrounds, you know? So I think that's where we were able to relate on a lot of levels. Um, but yeah, he is, he is very chill and, um, you know, it's not anything quite like the, you know, the NF top NFL guys Mm -hmm. or the NBA guys, but, you know, I traveled with him many years and you'd be in the middle of nowhere in Brazil on this, you know, uh, you know, probably i don't know 200 miles from the coast or something on a freeway and a car would pull up next to you beeping the horn kelly kelly and you're like whoa what's going on you know um so you know surfing in our in our country is big but Mm -hmm. in brazil and australia it's major you know what i mean
0: uh probably a lot of btl listeners not super in depth into the surf is there like one documentary series show or whatever if they listen to this show and kind of want to Get a feel for what it's all about that they could go watch on like Netflix or HBO. Because I was thinking like the Hundred Foot Wave that I watched on HBO. I've watched a bunch of the surfing stuff, but is there one that you'd recommend?
2: Uh, yeah, you know that's that's actually one that I haven't had a chance to see, but I'm very familiar with it. Um, Apple's got something going on too right now that's behind the scenes from the WSL. I won't okay. remember that the title, okay. but yeah, Apple's got yeah, something you can go going find on that. right now. Yeah, okay, yeah, that's cool.
0: I uh, want to talk about when we come back from the final break, as long as you're good to go, this has been an awesome show. Like I said, I was super pumped to talk about it. I wasn't sure exactly where it was going to go. Uh, but I want to talk about your current guiding. I've had a couple of people on in the instant feedback say you had a mega sack yesterday. I want to maybe
3: wanna yeah. maybe get into
0: <laughs> that little Valentine's Day mega sack. Uh, and then yep. if people want want to get in touch with you, how they can do that, how they can get on the water with you. You good for another segment?
2: Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you having me on, Matt.
0: All right, BTL on a Wednesday with Todd Klein. We'll be back right after this.
3: Having confidence in your tackle while on the water is one of the main things to success, in my opinion. In the last couple years with Denali, I've had just that. From anything from spinning rods, casting rods, tungsten products, even now the casting and spinning reels, I have the confidence to go out there and get the job done and know that all my equipment is going to handle it and do it just the way I want it. The thing about Denali is you've got great quality products at a great price point, so make sure you check them out. I'm the kind of guy that never leaves a house without a pocket knife, and has come out with the EDC series of knives. EDC stands for everyday carry, so whether you're on the water or off, you can always have it with you. The best thing about it to me is that assisted open feature. With this D2 blade, you've got it right here at your fingertips, so if you can't find your scissors, you need to cut a knot, you need to cut your braid, you've always got it. Make sure you check it out. Never leave home without your Gamagatsu EDC knife.
1: born in japan using technology innovation and precision sunline produces the widest selection of fishing lines
2: at the most technologically advanced line factory in the world manufactured at the strictest tolerances to produce victories at the highest levels of tournament fast fishing from household names like Christie, swindle and Cruz to young guns like cook logan new and welcher they all trust sunline to take them to the top of the leaderboard choose the line that will give you the strength to
3: guarantee your confidence sunline
0: have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronics setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting BeatdownOutdoors.com.
2: Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage installation done right with the help of the bass tank power harness you can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right the bass tank power harness give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com get the best patterns backed by tournament data start by finding the best 10 percent of your lake know exactly what to look for and what to throw after that you just put them in the boat try the deep dive app today look at that
0: beast right there
1: uh welcome back
0: btl on a wednesday i'm looking at the uh is it feedbacks clay says oh the btl awards weren't biased at all you roll back-to-back michael neal commercials maybe michael neal won was in those commercials because we did consider that he was the btl angler of the year do you ever think about that in reverse clay clay keeps me on my toes todd clay's that clay Clay likes to look into everything. You know what I mean? Are there those those fans in the surfing community that are like, "Oh yeah, well that guy stole that guy's wave, or he's got something he's doing." So-. Clay's that Clay's Clay's on top of things in the instant feedback. Todd
2: Clay, Clay needs a hug.
0: No, I think that's just Clay, man. I like it. I, we've we've grown accustomed to it. It's, we it's actually, part of the uh, we, part of the show.
2: Sounds like you got. So, you know, maybe maybe we had some clays too but actually to your point we would actually get sometimes some guys that were so passionate about the sport that they would give us really good intel or stats um that they had acquired over the years and uh you know so you'd be live in a broadcast and going through some things and all of a sudden you'd get a message you look and you're like hey thanks a lot clay and clay you know clay has let us yeah. know that you know Uh, Matt, Matt won back to back in, you know, 19, whatever, you know,
0: you're like right on, you know, dude, KVD just retires. I get up, get up for the show. Was that, was that yesterday or the day before? Whatever that was. yesterday Okay. Yesterday I wake up, I've got my routine, got the studio in the house, get the coffee, everything. And I look at my Instagram and I've got a DM from someone that I don't know. I got like 230 followers. Everything's fine. It just says this should lead the show this morning. And I click on it, it's K KV... I haven't told this in full. It's KVD's retirement announcement. It's the announcement. It's and it's got 18 views. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. I don't know where it came from. I I make a couple calls to, you know, one of his sponsors, to someone from it, and they're like, what the heck are you talking about? There's nothing out there. So you like go to YouTube and there's nothing out there. Then I look back and it's an unlisted video. So I'm sitting there going, well, how the, you know, that was a BTL listener. How the heck did they get it? Then how did I get it? And now I'm sitting there going, well, what do I do with it? So obviously, I I said, I'm eating this. I said, I'm sitting on it. I said, KVD's earned. I'm not breaking the KVD retirement news on the show because it's yeah. not the right thing to do. Then, of course, it goes live at, at 10. I guess that kind of pushed it forward based on some calls that people made and found out about it. Uh, and then it went live at 10, and then we were able to cover it. But that's case in point of what you were just talking about. like there's a lot of people out there with a lot of little tidbits.
2: Well, that's like, I mean, it's awesome when you get those things from like breaking news, ESPN, yeah. Adam Schefter, you know, and it's like, no way Brady's what, you know? And it's like, it's pretty cool how people, you know, some of it's personal relationships, some of it, how, who knows how they get it, you know,
0: surfing world or professional bass fishing world, bigger. Got to be surfing. Doesn't it?
2: Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Actually, I don't know. You know, back in the there was a lot more money in the industry in surfing years ago. I, you, know, you talked about it earlier. You know, Matt, when you wore you wore Quicksilver all the time. You know, when you were nowhere near a coast, and that was, you know, that was when Quicksilver was in its heyday. Is I, and I feel like people during those years were more brand loyal, whereas now it's you know it becomes. You know, if you like it, you like it. It, it. whereas back then, I think people were really into brand loyalty and and that's where they they were able to capitalize, you know, I don't know. So I got a little sidetrack there. That's a good question. surfing or fishing, what's bigger? I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say surfing. I'm gonna say surfing for sure because like we talked about earlier in the show, uh, Australia, especially and Brazil, I mean, it's as big as as the oh, NFL, yeah. is, you know,
0: oh, yeah, it would have to be bigger. So on the top level then, you throw these stats around. Let's say, let's say, uh, let's combine the elite series and the BPT. So you've got two. Let's just combine all that. Let's say you got forty guys making six figures a year in sponsorship. Is it like? Listen, you could you could say there's ten. You could say there's a hundred. I don't know. But let's say there's there's four. Let's say a quarter of the field, right? Is that the same in surfing too? I mean, are guys doing big sponsorships like that? Or is it just the top of the top of the top that are doing the big deals and the rest are kind of journeymen trying to trying to survive?
2: So again, going back years ago, there was more money involved. You know, there was quite a few guys that had, you know, multi-million dollar contracts. Um, and then even the guys that I'll say were the B and C grade guys uh, competing, um, there was guys that were making, you know, plenty of six-figure deals Mm -hmm. But you still, you still on occasion, and I think we see it in in our world coming back to fishing, um, you got guys that are competing, they're winning, um, they're unbelievable anglers, but they don't want to, uh, engage in social media. They don't want to, you know, they don't want to do a podcast, um, and, or, you know, when a, when a camera's on and a microphone's in front of them, you know, whether they want to, or don't want to, you know, you're not going to get much out of them um and some some guys are probably fine with that they just want to compete but those are the individuals that could be you know making a very good living and and they're actually going check check to check from tournament to tournament you know what i mean
0: yeah i do uh would you consider yourself full-time in the industry now
2: uh i mean that's that you know i make a living fishing
0: yeah guiding so
2: Well, I do, you know, so I, fortunately for me, I've got great support from my sponsors. Um, I do, you know, because I still have that marketing background, uh, you know, finishing up as a marketing director at Quicksilver for 16 years. I help, uh, I help Igloo out with, uh, you know, some consulting uh, in the fishing slash marine industry. Um, I also help a company called Electric who make unbelievable polarized sunglasses that came from the action sports world. But now is making a push into that fishing world because you know there's been so many people that have come along that you know know them for their goggles, know them for their glasses from a life, lifestyle perspective. Uh, d- didn't realize just how good their polarization was on the water, and so um, starting to see you know an uptick in in their uh, business model as far as you know going into the the fishing world. Um, and then you know I, I'm a full time guide, own and operate my own business. And, uh, the combination of all of it keeps the dream alive.
0: And you just smacked, like you've caught a mega sack yesterday.
2: Uh, yeah. So yesterday was, you know, I I've cracked, I think maybe 30 once, um, many years ago out here, I've had plenty of bags in the twenties, but yesterday was just actually two days ago. Um, it was the day before, so. Yeah, it would have been 13. today's what? Well, today's Wednesday. So yeah, on on uh, Monday, I went. Went solo. Was the first guy down there at the lake. Uh, kind of a, a it rained that that morning. A little bit of a drizzle when I got there. Uh, launched. Nobody there yet. Ran to my spot. Got there. You know, shad coming out of the water. Fish busting them um, and yeah. just start kind. of, Huh
0: planet earth's planet we call those days planet earth days you know you've seen the documentary planet earth
2: yeah i mean well yeah it was one of those uh yeah. national geographic yep. live moments right and you know again nobody around so i start just kind of circulating through baits catching fish um and at one point even you know for us you know it's early to be throwing top water i start whacking them on a on a top water bait and it's fun i'm catching two three pounders and then i you know i i use my my uh, active target start kind of looking around and all of a sudden i'm like oh gosh and then you just you see this mother load of fish you know sitting on these different structures there you know outside of where i'm fishing i reach in the locker grab a different rig out fire out there and matt for like two hours it was absolutely mind-blowing whether you were getting bit or not something was happening on the end right That's And awesome. you know the first time i actually lean into one i'm like oh gosh and i get this thing up and it's over 10 pounds and i net it put it in the well and i'm just like what's going on here long story short uh this was like a good two hour process. But when I actually got onto the better fish, it was probably a one hour process. And when all said and done, I, you know, I started putting a few on the scale. Uh, I wanted to keep four in the well to get that, you know, Christmas card photo. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was done, uh, 3653. that was, that was my best, best five ever.
0: I guess after you tell a story like that, it would be a good time to throw up the uh guide page. So there it is.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not a 3653, but that was another uh fun day at Lake Paris.
0: Yeah. Uh you do a number of different lakes around there if people are interested, want to get on the boat with you uh out in Southern California.
2: Yeah. So, so when people call and ask, you know, Hey, where do you guide at? I get a lot of locals. I get a lot of, uh, you know, out of state and even out of country, uh, who are coming to town. The, the cool thing is for me, you've got major cities like San Diego, Los Angeles, Orange County, um, where people are, are coming to town, whether it be for seminars, vacation, what have you. And I tell them, I, you know, the furthest North that I'll guide is Lake Paris. And then the furthest South that I'll guide is lower Otai, which is basically the border Um, and because I live out by the beach in San Clemente, they're all about an hour and 15 from my house. So it doesn't matter to me where, where you want to go. Um, also, you know, if, if they are open to it, what I generally do for most of my guide trips is I will, uh, you know, take a hundred dollar deposit, lock a date in that I've got available and works for them. And then I call Mm -hmm. them the day prior and say, Hey, you know, Johnny, I recommend we go to Lake X. That's what's fishing best right now. And then we go down there. Um, hopefully, I can I can teach them a couple of techniques that the you know they can go in and employ when when they get back to their body of water. Um, and more importantly, just a great experience. You know, have fun, learn learn a new body of water, and uh, catch some fish. And it's cool, you know, because most of the people I fish with, Matt, they're great people. Uh, once in a while, you get that one guy, and it's like you keep looking at your watch. You know, when, yeah. When but uh, you get a lot of, lot of father-son, a lot of father-daughters. Um, sometimes single women just want to go fish. Uh, it's, it's not for everybody, you know, but I, I also think, you know, I mentioned it earlier, uh, co-angling and now as a guide, uh, it teaches me different things in my mind through those different challenging moments that I can, I can employ or, you know, uh, apply to a, a, a tournament. Uh, more importantly, it's time on the water. And whether I, you know, 90% of the time, I'm not fishing with these clients. Um, I'm watching intimately what they're doing, making sure the cadence right, making sure they're getting the, the best cast that they can. Um, and then I'm constantly looking at the, the Lowrance electronics. And so all of that, you know, even though I'm not fishing is is making me a better angler as well, which is awesome.
0: That's really cool. Uh, I was showing your website while you were talking. Kleinfishing.com, K-L-I-N-E. Not like Gary, not like anyone else. K-L-I-N-E Fishing.com. How many freaking magazine covers do you have? There's like three pages of just you on the cover of Western magazines. That's...
2: Yeah, you know, that that's that's one thing, Matt. Hopefully, uh, you know, I, I'm going to I'm going to stalk you because I'm intrigued by you as an individual. And I think I can learn from you on some, some things. And hopefully one thing you'll learn from me is is I am not going to be afraid to knock on doors. Um, and the worst they can tell you is no. And so, you know, anytime I've got an opportunity, I feel like, you know, I I, I just had a good day on the water. I've got some good imagery, whatever it is, I'm going to reach out. And, uh, you know, try and push to get a cover, try and push to get an article, um, try and help represent my sponsors that, you know, support me. And, um, you know, that's, you know, that it's like anything in life. You have to, uh, you have to want to go get it. And, uh, that's, that's, that's my mindset is, you know, I'm going to always be knocking on doors and, uh, they might not all open, but that one that does is going to be an opportunity for, uh, for me and my sponsors that I represent.
0: But seriously, you're over eight.
2: <laughs> there might be more on the way. There might be more on the way.
0: I see California Sportsman. I see Western Outdoor News. You've got an in at California Sportsman.
2: Those guys, it's actually really cool. Um, it's been years now, but they they reached out to me and they're like, you know, we're intrigued by the lifestyle that you have, what you do. Um, it's entertaining. Would you be open to writing a monthly column for us? And I oh. said, by Yes. You know, so monthly I submit imagery to them um, and then they'll select the ones that they feel fit best within that article. Uh, And it's, you know, hopefully it's a win for them. It's definitely a win for me. Um, You know, and I I keep that in mind throughout the month that I'm, you know, on my uh, my road trips and my guide trips, what have you. And just making sure when you see that beautiful sunrise, when you you know, see somebody catch a giant fit, whatever it is, something that you think you might enjoy seeing when you're opening up that magazine, you know, I go ahead and and get that shot.
1: All right. That's good
0: stuff. Anything else that we didn't cover? I feel like we covered a lot of, uh, we really covered a lot of stuff and I was afraid we were going to have to like jump back and forth because there are so many different avenues, but I felt like it was fairly seamless.
2: Yeah, Matt, I really appreciate it, buddy. Uh, I know I was a little bit of a yard sale this morning. I was one hour off on my timing um, thank matter. god you, thank god you did text me because uh i heard the chime and i looked over and i'm like oh gosh i need to go i've got like 10 minutes before i'm live so uh pulled the truck out of the garage made a cup of coffee threw us threw a hoodie on and here i am
0: but, yeah it looks uh up. you're awake like i so i've got uh i do this a lot i mean i've done, it. We've done literally thousands of of live shows um but you got to have your backup guys, right? So I didn't, had not established a backup guy for 2023 yet. Not, not like a guy who's like, Hey, you're the B plan, but like, Hey, if something happens or there's a miscommunication, I can call you. You can jump on and we could do a show. So I established my, my, my backup as Andrew Upshaw this morning. I was like, Hey, man, I texted. Cl- uh Klein, I said, we're supposed to be live in 10 minutes, but he's got his notifications on silent. I said, you know, I talked to him yesterday. I said, but I didn't like I said I just kept saying 8:30 Central. I didn't specifically say like 6:30 West Coast time. He's like, Yeah, I got you, man. I'll be your guy. So I
2: yeah. I, For whatever reason, I was thinking it was 7:30, but again, you know, hey, thank you so much, dude. Um, intrigued by you as an individual, what you're doing out there. Keep up the good work and uh no doubt, you're gonna have continued success, and uh, you know I'll, I'll be I'll be on the sidelines watching it unfold. So keep keep up the good work, dude.
0: Thank you, Todd. Have a good morning.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you.
0: Oh, he hit us with the surf with the surf deal at the end. I wanted to I wanted to ask him what that meant. I literally had that in the notes. Like, what does the little surf thing mean? Because it must be Hawaii thing. Cause I see Matty Wong do it all the time on the elite series that he's that. So we'll just have to save that for next time. All right. We ran through everything. We covered everything we needed to tomorrow uh, day four, number one Oh three with uh, Frank Scalish. And then we are in the, we, we are in the thick of things in the tournament season. So, so next week, some guys who have, uh, who have capitalized and caught fish will be on the show. Not exactly sure who, because BPT still going on elite series. will have just, concluded and a lot of different stuff but massive thanks to todd klein getting up early taking care of business i'm really intrigued with so this has been another edition of btl bass talk live we'll talk to everybody tomorrow for day four with the man frank scalish see ya